0: Welcome to the Pink Cloud Podcast. In this weekly podcast, we offer a supportive space where women share their personal experiences of getting sober and navigating sobriety while being young. In each episode, we deliver an amazing combination of heart-to-hearts and informative interviews with sober women without judgment. This podcast is a bout of necessity for like-minded women trying to seek and maintain sobriety while achieving more in their lives. Whether it's in sobriety, relationships, career, spirituality, mental health, or health and wellness, created with sobriety, recovery, and sisterhood in mind, the Pink Cloud podcast unites the voices of phenomenal women as we share deep and inspiring conversations of hope for a bright future. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to the Pink Cloud Podcast. I am your host, Lisa H., and I have Steph here with me today. Hey, Steph. Hello. Hi. And we are going to talk about first-year sobriety. (laughs) (laughs) The good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, and what our struggles were, and what our good stuff was, and just everything. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's crazy that you mentioned this being the topic because I was just talking about this with the newcomer to sobriety last night and just about all of the things, the changes, the getting your body back, getting your mind back slowly but surely and all that stuff.
1: And everything, right? Everything has been, you know, for most of us. Everything has been chaotic for, you know, God knows how long it could be, you know, some people's decades, some it's like the last, you know, year, five years or whatever, but things have been so hectic and chaotic. And then you take drinking away. And then I think some people, myself included, have these expectations sometimes that everything is going to be perfect right away. So we stop drinking and then life is just supposed to like be perfect, but it doesn't always work that way because we've been, you know, carrying on this destruction for however long, you know, for myself, I got sober young, so it wasn't super long. You know, I probably had like the last year or two before, you know, I got sober was like probably pretty excessive of destruction. But, you know, we think sometimes that it's just going to be this easy. We stop drinking and Hey, we want everything to get better. And it takes some work. Right.
2: Yeah, it's so funny you say that. I like totally forgot, <laughs> not really, I didn't forget about the fact that 30 days in, like around my one month sober, the house I was living in, there were movers all around me packing up the stuff and I was going to be like squatting in this <laughs> on the market. Okay. So to me, that's basically homeless. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here I am with a month sober and I was homeless. Yeah. Yeah. All I had was my car at the time, right? I'm like, okay, I have no job because I was a bartender. So I had to let that, well, actually, they didn't want me back. So I had to let that (laughs) job go, right? So now I have no job. I'm basically homeless. All I have is this like 2001 Camry that I loved. And I used to like kiss the steering wheel and be like, thank you, God, for this.
1: That's gratitude though, right? And it's a good thing that you weren't a bartender either because that's a huge trigger. I mean, you're oh, yeah. a bartender. Like I can't even imagine trying to do that, trying to bartend. I know people do it, but I mean, I don't know of anyone that's done it successfully. <laughs> I think I know one person, but I think he relapsed. <laughs> I, think I know one person that did it and was like, I'm fine. And then he was like on a bender the last I heard and like doing weird Facebook lives. But anyway,
2: <laughs> I've, I've met a few that, you know, can go anywhere and do anything and yeah. work behind the bar and not want to taste their cocktails they made. Yeah. I'm not that type of drunk though, but yeah, no, I used to like kiss the steering wheel on my Camry and say, thank you God for this car. And I would take all of the newcomers and pick up the girls and go to meetings. And then at 30 days sober, not only was I homeless and jobless, my car shit the bed. No, I all of a sudden had nothing. And here I was doing the next right thing, trying not to drink. And I had nothing
1: Oh my gosh. Do you feel like it was almost like sometimes like the higher power of God, like clearing away stuff? You know what I mean? Like clearing stuff away to give you a fresh start.
2: Yes. Yeah. And you know, my higher power had done that for me in the past. And my mom always would say God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You know, I used to like bitch and moan about, I had a Jeep and that cost too much to fill and it would break down. And I used to Cry about it and whine about it over and over and over and over. And then my Jeep got totaled, and my mom said, God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You know, and so yeah. Your mom's been sober how long? Oh, if I'm 30, she's been sober 31 years. That's amazing. I love that.
1: I love that so much. I can't wait. Like when my daughter's like,
2: my mom's been sober. How many years? That was me. That was me like eight, nine years old. Like my mommy has 10 years of sobriety and she's like, Stop. like you don't have to tell people that.
1: <laughs> I love it. But yeah. So that first year, like for me, everything kind of got financially, like everything was wiped away, you know? And I just remember being in like rehab. I did outpatient cause it was 30 days. Like I remember that 30 day mark too. So I was 30 days sober and it was this time around. Cause I tried to get sober before and it was like, There was none of that. I had the pink cloud before where everything was great. Something was shiny birds are singing, blah, blah, blah. But then this time around, it was like, there was none of that. It was just like raw emotion. The real world showed up and it was like, all right, you have to face this. You got to clean up the shit and all your wreckage, but you have to do it by the way with nothing. Right. <laughs> like you just got to deal with it. I'm like, no, this isn't fair. Like I didn't want to drink. I wasn't like craving alcohol or because I knew at that point, it wasn't an option. Drinking didn't even sound like a good idea. It was just like, okay. I got to figure my shit out. I got to get this, my life back on track and all the destruction I've done. Like, how do I do this and how do I function? And I remember like it was 30 days and I thought I'm crazy. Like I need to be locked up. And I remember thinking like, okay, I want to go to jail or some, like somewhere that you can like, lock me up to where I don't have to do anything. Like I don't have to think for myself. I don't like, I was so like, I was a scared little like ball of emotion and like raw emotion. And like, oh my gosh, I have to deal with this. Like I have to deal with life right now. And I don't even know how to do it. I don't even know where to begin. You know, like you ever like, okay, when we move, right. And there's like boxes everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> and they're labeled. You have like, you find a kitchen box and like the spare bedroom, and then you have like your good clothes in the garage, and there's just stuff scattered all over the place. Like, that's the best analogy I can think of for my life at that point. My first year was like, I don't even know where to begin to unpack all this. You know, I just know that everything is scattered and I don't know how to do it. There's no good feeling behind this. It's just pure raw emotion and having to deal with it. And so, yeah, I went to outpatient my first year and I loved it. It was great. It was great because at least for that short time, you know, it was a day long. I didn't remember the hours. It was like during the day, it was like Monday through Friday, like whatever hours. And I just remember feeling so safe during that time and feeling like, okay, like I can just take like little tiny steps at a time to kind of sort my life. But then I'd like, I'd go back and forth from that to being really reasonable and like rational about it to being like, oh my God, I want it now. Like I wanted it now. You know, I wanted everything to be fixed right now, like immediately, like fix it right now. I just want yeah. everything. I made a decision. So now everything should go back to normal. And it sucks. It's not how it works.
2: <laughs> right. Low briety. <laughs> <Right? laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking about like coming in and you picked outpatient. Like I remember feeling so. I didn't even know what my life was supposed to be without drinking, without alcohol. No idea. I didn't know my ass from my elbow. I didn't know anything. Like nothing. I didn't know how to be a woman. I didn't know how to be sober. I didn't know how to be an adult. Like so I always recommend people new to recovery to fill all of your time with the recovery program of your choice that yes. you spent drinking or drugging. For
1: sure. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I,
2: because I had to. idle
1: time. Yeah. When you have idle time, like, like, I remember thinking when I got sober, holy shit, there's so much time in the day. Like, where did this time come from? Like t- there was never this much time. Where did this even like begin? Because I don't know, I guess time flies when you're drunk, I guess, you know, I think I would drink from like, you know, after work, probably five o'clock until the wee hours of the night. And so I don't think I ever had like an evening, (laughs) you know, like, I don't think I had sober evenings. You're just drunk and then you're drunk. I was drunk all weekend. So I was like, you know, during business hours, I was sober. That's the kind of drinker that I was. Most of my drinking career was like, you know, bankers out. The bank was open. I wasn't drinking, but then, you know, like off business hours, I was drinking. I was like drunk, you know, but yeah, I got sober, didn't have a job, wasn't working. And it was the summertime in California. So there's like tons of hours of sunlight. So it was just like bright all the time. And I'm like, oh my God, I just want to go to bed. If I can just like, let me just make it to like eight o'clock at night or nine o'clock, you know, let me just like get into bed that way I can like sleep. And so I would go to a meeting, a 12 step meeting at six o'clock was the latest one. Six o'clock to seven, stay after and talk. And then I'd come home, but it was still light outside. I'm like, okay, let me read a little bit. And then let me try and like go to sleep around eight. Like and there was just so much damn time in the day. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like time speed up a little bit, but you have to fill your time. You're absolutely right. You have to like the time you spend drinking, you have to put into your recovery, especially the first year. I mean, like, you know, longer time you're sober, you know, that can vary, but like your first year, yeah. Cause most of us like don't have jobs. (laughs) I've been fired. Like some people do, but most of us don't. So we have free time. We don't have like, you know, we're usually like in transition of some sort and yeah.
2: Yeah. Yep. I had to go from like, you know, I wasn't waking up early enough to go to like a a 7am, but sometimes I would, and then I would go to the 12 noon and then I would go to a 530 and then I would go to a seven or an eight or whatever, you know, and we used to just drive around like our area of Connecticut and just go to like all different meetings that we could. Yeah. I had to do that. And in between we were like getting slushies and chain smoking, like anything to just not pick up a drink (laughs) at that time. And that's what it was like. Yeah. And I got sober at the end of May, right before Memorial day weekend. And I am really stubborn. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) But I was like, I'm not going to cancel my plans just because I stopped drinking. I had awesome tickets to a four-day music festival in Michigan. I was like, I am not selling these tickets. like, I'm not going to stop living my life just because I'm not drinking anymore. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, for sure. I want to live my life, you know? And I just remember like going to like pool parties, cookouts, picnics in that first year of sobriety in that first summer. And I brought sparkling water, fresh berries. I brought my own glass and ice cubes, like Everywhere I went, like I had my little spritzer with fresh fruit on deck because, well, you have to, me- to be prepared. Like, you have
1: to yeah. be prepared for that stuff. You know, I did a lot of that stuff too. I probably wasn't as mindful as you were. I was just like, I think I just didn't have anything else to do. Like, okay, so I get sober and I dive in, I'm in recovery and this whole thing, right? And then stuff got normal, right? Because my life normalized. I'm back to kind of, you know, my working, my nine to five and just normal routine type stuff. Feeling good. It's not that emergency, like 911, like, oh my God, I got to fix my life. Like now, you know, I know where the boxes are. They're in their designated rooms. I'm just unpacking, right? So it's not as chaotic. It's just like, okay, you know, I'm on that road. And then I just would hang out with people that were still drinking. So I really did like, Aside from the drinking, like I started hanging out again with my friends, you know, and I would still go out and I'm in my twenties. I'm going, I'm still going to like the bars, but I'm not drinking. I was drinking water. And I remember the first time I like went to a bar and I'm like, what do I even drink? And I order like Coca-Cola, right? I don't drink that. And so I was like, why am I drinking? It was all like sweet in my mouth. And I'm like, ew, like, what the, like I didn't even know what to order. That wasn't. And I don't think I was healthy. So I don't think I drink water then <laughs> either. So I think I was like, what do you even order somewhere? Like, I didn't even have any like concept. I was so weird. I just remember that. But so I did a lot of that my first year. So it was a lot of like the first, okay, the first probably six months were like, hardcore recovery, meetings, step work, blah, 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 like that whole thing. And then it was like, the heat was off a little bit. So then I kind of tapered back and went back to like my, you know, quote, unquote, normal life. But that didn't work. You know, for me, that didn't work after a while because it was like, I was really tired of having the same shallow conversations, no depth. There wasn't a lot of like growth happening within these bar conversations and that lifestyle, you know, and I came to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm either going to drink again, which I didn't want, like I didn't want to drink. So it was like, okay, it's either I'm going to drink again or go down this lifestyle, or I'm going to like, really like, immerse myself in recovery because it was like, I was in that weird spot. And I think because when we get sober young, it's like, okay, well, what are young people doing? Okay. You're going like, people aren't married, like some people are, but like, for the most part, people don't have like whole families and this and, you know, we're figuring ourselves out at that time and like, you know, partying and going to bars or restaurants or music festivals or whatever. And so, yeah, that's what everyone I knew was doing. So it was hard for me to like, you make that switch. But the second that I did, I swear, I started meeting all these like young, like super cool people in recovery. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that someone had invited me to Ikipa. And it was like the craziest thing. So I was like, what the fuck is this? Who are all these like 1000s of people? So I'm in San Francisco, like, oh, my God, this is insane. Everyone's dancing and partying. And they're all sober. Like it was the weirdest thing. So like, It's the, like, I think it was the last night and it, oh no, no, it was main speaker. So Saturday night. So we're in this huge auditorium, I mean, huge. It's like, like you just seas of people and everyone's like repping their city with the flag. Yes. (laughs) So there's like flags flying, people are running around. There's music playing. I think there's like Little John playing, and we're like walking <laughs> and just going wild. And then all of a sudden, like someone comes on, they're like speakers coming. I'm not even lying. I have chills right now. Everyone all of a sudden was like shoo shoo. Like everyone was quiet. Like it only took a couple of minutes, and everyone was like in their seats. I'm like that would not happen anywhere else. You would never find that kind of level of respect at all at any other event with that many in the event period not even young people old people you would never find that anywhere else except for in that room with those kind of people that have the level of respect i was like yep this is it is everyone's like all right speakers coming out we all were like sat down went to our seats and it was like a couple of like moments not even minutes it was like a moment and then there was silence yes it was amazing but yeah there's all these young people so then i just i'm like okay I'm going to plug in here because these people are like me because I still like to dance. I still like to do all those things, but I can do that and not have to pick up a drink. And so then I found that the more like I opened myself up to that, it was like, I just kept meeting people and people and people and like-minded individuals. And so we were going and doing fun things and I didn't have to avoid drinking Because we just weren't drinking. It just wasn't a part of like what we do. It wasn't even an option. It was just like, yeah, we don't drink. We're go. And it's not like we're talking about recovery the whole time. We're just like, like like-minded people talking about life and not drinking.
2: Yeah. I was at Icky Paw last month and they were doing the sobriety countdown. And for
1: those of you listening that don't know what Icky Paw is, you can look it up. (laughs) (laughs) I-C-Y-P-A-A. Look it up. If you know, you know. If not, look it up. But okay, so go ahead, Steph.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. This, so they were doing the sobriety countdown. They uh-huh. started like you know, fifty years, and go all the way down to less than twenty-four hours because all you need is a desire to stop drinking. Uh-huh. And I stood up because I'm in year six. I'm technically in oh year God. seven. I'm coming up on seven, but technically year six. And they were playing WAP. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Standing on my chair, like (laughs) like I used to on the bar and it was awesome. And then, you know, 45 minutes later, we're all in tears because the speaker is so gripping and truthful and amazing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, like I said earlier, I had like tickets to that four day music festival and I was like, I am not giving this up. I have saved for this. I'm looking forward to this. So what I did, and I try to share this with people too. I was like obsessed with live music. Like anywhere there was live music, I would be there. I was always dancing in a field barefoot somewhere before (laughs) I got sober (laughs) and after. Right. So I, I I wasn't giving that up. And I got online and it was electric forest in Michigan. And I started looking at Sober camping for whatever reason. And I found that they had a sober campsite at this music festival. And I was like, no way. So if you're listening to this and you like to go to music festivals, there is a union, like a little union hidden Facebook group called Camp Traction, All Grip, No Slip. And they actually host sober camps at music festivals across the country. And I went, I bought a tent for one. I drove out there with my friends who were drinking and drugging. I got out there, met my sober camp. They helped me set up my tent. They made me pancakes in the morning. our campsite was right near the showers and bathrooms, and it was just amazing. It was better, so amazing. better than if I had gone than my previous year when I was not sober, right? I just had an all-around better experience, amazing people, and it's crazy because people that I've met there you know, still love music, still are sober, and I've seen them at events years to come, whether it's a conference or Grateful Dead set break. In Chicago, you know, I'm like still seeing people, and there's so many of us. Like sober people, still like to have fun. Like because we get
1: sober, doesn't mean we have to like shrivel up and die and stay in home and be boring. It's like, like you said, you still like to dance barefoot in the field. So do I. Like, I mean, give me like, give me a good like song, and I love that. Like, I am down. Like, I loved party. I still love to have a good time. I love to laugh. I love to have fun.
2: But we don't drink. Right. And I didn't have to, right. I was like, wow, my life can be fun and I can still have fun without drinking. And I was really firm in that belief. Right. So I remember being at meetings talking about this, you know, like, I'm not going to give up my life, like little young, (laughs) freshly sober (laughs) step. And I remember this woman came up to me and she was probably the age I am now. And she came up to me after the meeting and was like, you know, when we get sober, you're supposed to change people, places, and things. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, lady, thanks for your unsolicited advice, but Mm -hmm. no thanks. Right. Well, it was, literally like that weekend or the following weekend or week, I was at funk night at a bar in Black Rock with my friends who knew I was sober and I was waiting in line for the bathroom. And so it was a girl I knew and in front of her was a girl I didn't know. And it was a one bathroom, right? So we're all in line and all three of us went into the bathroom at the same time. Well, girl, I don't know, pulls out a bag of Coke and they start doing lines in the Mm -hmm. bathroom. And here I am at two months sober, shut in a four by four room with these girls who are doing illegal Mm -hmm. drugs. And you know what that lady said rang true. And I was like, OMG. Like this You're is like, not this is why. Story. Yeah. This is this why is not, this is why is me. Yeah. yeah. This is yes. This is why she was saying that, but I don't belong here anymore. And when you were talking about like the shallow conversation, like I was still trying to plug myself in to places I didn't fit in at. Yeah. I was like, you know, in my first year of sobriety, I was like a plant that had outgrown its pot. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, not, I didn't want yeah, to. I didn't go
1: my first year. It took me longer, probably because I was hanging around the same places and having the same conversations. And it just took me a little bit longer. But no, you're right. Like, you didn't have any business. Like, I know I don't have business at a bar for no reason. If it's like a Friday night and I'm like, hey, you just got off work, I think I'm going to go over to the bar and sit on a bar stool. Like, That's not like, what am I going to find there? I'm going to find drinking. I'm going to find the same, you know, companionship, but it's not these like depth of companionship, you know, that I'm looking for. That's very like kind of lighthearted, just like, which is fine, but not for me. You know what I mean? If I know if I'm going to a concert or there's a reason that's non-alcoholic, like focused, cool. I'm going to go dance. I'm going to go somewhere. Like that is all fine for me. Like I can function that I can't do it all the time either though. Like I can't do it. I can't live in that world either. Like I can't live in the world of going to clubs every weekend. I can occasionally go to a club and dance and have fun. I can occasionally go, you know, somewhere, but I can't live in that space anymore for me. I don't even know, like, I'm so fortunate (laughs) that my first year that I didn't have a relapse. Because I really did, I put myself in a lot of positions that were like stupid, like same thing. Like people are doing drugs, people are doing stuff. And it's like, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but it's like, I didn't want to drink, but I didn't know really what else to do either.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It scared me. It scared me to be in a room like that, you know, trapped with, to me was the enemy, the devil. It's like every, I lived and breathed staying sober. My whole life was dedicated to staying sober and here I am voluntarily putting myself in positions where, you know, same thing. I walked up to the bar to order my water and lime and the guy next to me was like, Johnny Walker Black, neat, please. And I was like, wow, I'm salivating on the freaking bar. Mm -hmm. And you know, the puzzle pieces start to come and I'm like, okay, so this is what they mean to let go of old ideas, people, places, and things. Yeah. You know, like I can't be the same person if I want a different outcome.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's really, I think, like the whole, you know, this whole podcast, like this whole episode is like, you know, really like, okay, your first year sober. It's like, who do you want to be? You know what I mean? You can't continue, you can't make a change and be a new person if you're still holding on to the old person. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't grow if you're still hanging on to these old ideas. And this old version because if that worked then you wouldn't be here like i'm sorry if it worked you wouldn't be in a 12-step room you wouldn't be talking to anybody in recovery like you just wouldn't drink like you just wouldn't do what you're doing you wouldn't have to go seek help somewhere for this problem like if you're listening to this if you talk to somebody if you picked up a book like any kind of recovery book you probably have a problem like you probably like, normal people that don't drink or that that don't have drink problems don't think about quitting like period. It's not really like an option. Like if someone told me, okay, you can never have like pickles again, or you'll die or whatever. I wouldn't go seek like pickle help. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) Like, I love them. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I fucking love pickles, right? Like I love them. Like I love me some pickles. So does my daughter. Like we just like, but you just wouldn't do it. You wouldn't have to think about like not doing something or seeking help to not do something. And so it's like your first year, like you have to let a lot of that stuff go. You have to let go of that old person that you were in those old places, people, places, things that don't serve you to, in order to grow into someone new, you know, like, like your recovery was like a lot different than mine. Yours is like a lot more expedited. Mine took a long time because I wasn't doing the right things. I wasn't drinking and I was like, you know, I'm real fortunate that I didn't have a relapse. My, you know, this time I did before, but like this time around, I didn't. But yeah, I don't know how I didn't. I don't recommend my kind of recovery. My first year, I don't recommend. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> always tell me. I was telling the Fonzie like a couple of weeks ago. I was like, okay. I'm telling you what not to do because I did it this way and it didn't work. And I took the long road, like through the bushes and the thorns and like up the hill, right? Like I walked up the hill in like barefoot in like the worst terrain with like wolves and shit, like nipping at me. And I'm, you know, in the middle of the night without a flashlight, Like, that's the kind of like, I did it. I trudged. I got over that hill, you know, but there's like a prairie over here with like nice grass. That's the path you can take. Like, I'm like, don't do what I did. Take this road because this is a lot easier. And like, it works that way versus what I did.
2: Yes. Yeah. And you know, you're making me laugh because I'm the same way. I would not recommend going to a four day music festival (laughs) 30 days sober, right? Like, by the grace of God, I came out on the other side without taking a drink or drug that weekend. But, you know, that's because I was a $400 ticket (laughs) Planned already. But anyway, you know, I wouldn't recommend that either. But yeah, I just thank God that we made it out sober our first year. So that's what we're
1: telling you guys about. Okay. So if you're within your first year, all right, to summarize it, you know, we don't have to get boring, but you really want to like how stuff, like you were saying, you took water, you were prepared. You found like you you're like, okay, I'm going go to go this music festival. I feel okay. I feel spiritually. Okay. I'm going to be prepared. I looked at these other sober companions. I'm setting this up. That's perfectly fine. Like that's cool to do, but your first year don't go into it. Like I'm going to go to a music festival with my old friends and they have, you know, they're going to be doing lines in the car on the way there. And like our water bottles are going to be full of vodka, you know, like that is like, ree, ree, like red flag, red flag, red flag. Like, let's not put ourselves in positions to where it's like, you're like, you're trapped in the room with the enemy, you know, and like the devil staring at you, like here, snort me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> snort no, me. <laughs> and, yeah, you were talking about, you know, if God like cleared out, That stuff from my past. And I didn't even realize this, but being sober. So I was jobless, carless, moneyless, everything. Right. I stayed sober for the first three, four months. I found a job working, you know, I was teaching preschool, which I loved. Then I saved up enough money for a car. And it was like little by little, you know, I wasn't tending bar. I wasn't living my old life. I was given the keys to a brand new life. Yep. And I stepped into my brand new life and I just kept doing the next right thing. And I was like, wow, look at me. I'm a preschool teacher who's not getting fucked up on the weekend. Oh. I'm not going to sleep during nap time with these kids. I'm actually present.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And oh, be the- great to
1: have nap time. I remember sleeping under my desk. I would go under there. I'd pretend I wasn't there. People come my o- I didn't have like windows in my office, and people would come by and I was like sleeping under my desk, like, oh, where's Lisa? And I would just like say I was out or something but i would go to my desk i'm like oh
2: yeah i used to be like changing the kids like the toddler's diapers thinking thank god i'm not hungover," because i would projectile vomit <laughs> but it was a gift it was a gift once i very slowly let up the death grip on my old life and how i wanted things to be right things got better yeah
1: well, Steph, thank you so much. As always, it's amazing when you come on and chat and share your experience and, you know, and all your wisdom. And so thank you so much. And for all the listeners out there, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Pink Cloud Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show and we really appreciate it. We'll catch you in the next episode.